You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Half hour. Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. And we are here to bring you a casual conversation on the shows, films, concerts, music events, and performances we see and observe throughout our careers. Today's conversation brings us to the Roundabout Theatre Company's Broadway play production of Trouble in Mind by Alice Childress of the American Airlines Theatre. This conversation today will feature spoilers, so please make sure you've seen this play or piece before... Continuing on with listening to the podcast, um, this is not found on any streaming platforms. This today we are talking about is the play Trouble in Mind on Broadway at the American Airlines Theater on 42nd Street. So <clears throat> a few updates on the show. Trouble in Mind is by Alice Childress. Um, this production was produced by Roundabout Theater Company um, and directed by Charles Randolph Wright. We had set design by, by Arnulfo Maldonado, costume design by Emilio Sosa, lighting design by Kathy A. Perkins, sound design by Dan Moses Schreier, hair and wig design by Cookie Jordan, makeup design Kirk Cambridge Del Pesce, original music Nona Hendricks. Uh, the production starred a wonderful LaShans in the title role. We also had perform- performances by Simon Jones, Brandon Michael Hall, Jessica Francis Dukes, Danielle Campbell, Chuck Cooper, Michael Zegan, Alex Mikowicz, and Don Stevenson. So a really interesting background on this play I kind of wanted to let our listeners know mm-hmm. a little bit about. This play was first performed off-Broadway in 1955. Trouble in Mind it was very well received, and then it was optioned for a Broadway transfer. Um, but there was some string attached. And I'm reading um, the letter in the playbill by Todd Hames, who's the artistic director and CEO of the Roundabout Theatre Company. He says here, um, there were strings attached with the Broadway transfer in 1955 after the off-Broadway. The white producers stipulated that Childress make significant changes. She refused to soften her story about racism in the theater, and then the producers canceled the transfer. And now this is the Broadway debut of that play 66 years later. Mm-hmm. Alice Childress um, is, uh, was born in 1916. She died in 1994. Um, she was a playwright, actress, and novelist. She was the first black woman to have a play professionally produced in New York City. Wow. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, she also is the um, acknowledged as the only African-American woman to have written, produced, and published plays for four decades, um, which is an amazing, amazing accomplishment of her time. Um, she describes her work as trying to portray the have-nots in a have-society. And a quote of hers is saying, my writing attempts to interpret the ordinary because they are not ordinary. Mm. Each human is uniquely different. Like snowflakes, the human pattern is never cast twice. We are uncommonly and marvelously intricate in thought and action. Our problems are most complex and too often silently born. Um, and we see that in this for sure, right? So amazing play and amazing perform- performances across the board. What were your overall thoughts on seeing this on Broadway with the wonderful LaShans in the, in the leading role? Yeah, I think I'm just want to dive right into this yeah. too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they actually started the show with saying that this show was meant to transfer to Broadway and mm-hmm. that it was then canceled because she wouldn't make the changes. So I thought that was such a powerful part to start so mm-hmm. that everyone in that theater you. actually knows like what's happening. Yeah. And um, for me, I was like, this, 
I still think what's mind blowing for me and the overall part part of this is like this is still happening today mm. behind the scenes. Mm. So everything, all of the dialogue and all of the context that's happening throughout the show is something that she obviously dealt with in her life, and that's why she wrote this play. But like this is still happening, and I think that's what's still so crazy to me. It's like we're taking a writer, a producer, a director, usually. In, in this sense here, they're all white and they're kind of telling the black community how that they have, how do they have to act mm-hmm. in their shows? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, it, it's just so crazy. And, and like, I want to get into it more, but like, I feel like my overall sense of like, I feel like the show written in 1957, mm-hmm. 55, oh, 55. <laughs> for the stage to now be in 2021 and people are still feeling this from the industry is crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, was this written yesterday? Was this mm-hmm. written today? Was this written a year ago? Because it's so, it, it's amazing how some of these things are, st- it's sad in a way, how some of these things are still happening in the theater space. You know, they talk a little bit about Hollywood and film and what's going on there because the director and the play within a play comes from that world. But I think it was really cool to really focus on Broadway, yeah. the theater, the American theater, which we know Broadway is only about 100 years old, maybe not even yet, 100 years old. So it's a young art form still. And we're and there was problems then, and 66 years later, there's still problems, right? right. <clears throat> but I think there was amazing things happening. You know what I thought was really amazing was how there was comedy spread throughout, and they found comedy in things, and then it was serious, and then it was comedy, right. and then it was like, oh, what did they just say? And then it was comedy. And that is what I think makes a great play, too, is the edge of your seat feel, the, the movement of dialogue, the movement of characters. And you know what? It was like, it was an hour, intermission, an hour. The, it, was, it was a moving plot. Yeah. It was just from a play, you know, take out all the themes. Obviously, the themes are the most important. But if you remove those for a second, you just look at it as a play. It's a great play. It is great. It's a really, really great play. And then those themes on top of it are astonishing and heartbreaking and sad. And and, and you see change. All the characters change in two hours. Yeah. I think that's amazing, too, when you don't just see one character change. Well, I, d- I definitely think it's a great play because it makes you think and it makes you feel yeah it definitely makes you feel there were some times in there it was like watching this i was like wow this is hard to watch at times yeah yeah it's like you know it's like you do know it's going on but you also don't know that it's going on i think this is like the conversation that we need to be having around pieces like this because the comedy in this show is not your traditional comedy right this is not meant to be laughed right This is being laughed at because in your mind you're saying... How crazy is this? Yeah. Right. This is crazy that these actors have to do this. Yeah. And, and speaking of reaction with comedy and laughter, I did want to talk about like a major theme that I kind of found throughout the whole piece is laughter. Mm-hmm. We learn in the beginning that she says, oh, laugh at the director. Whatever he says, just laugh at it. And then they make a joke of that and they, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. They do that boisterous laugh throughout. So there's that, right? Then there's the laugh track that is imposed in the beginning of Act 2 when he has to keep starting and stopping the laugh track as the character um, 
John Stevenson played him, Bill O'Reilly, in the very beginning of Act Two. He's preaching in the play within a play, mm-hmm. and the laughter. And the director's mad that it's coming in late, and it's coming out late, and the, and the laughter is so mechanical, so fake, so imposed in a track that they can't even get right, and they're rehearsing it. And there's this, oh, we have to laugh at the director at whatever he says, but then later in the play, he's mad when the laughter is not right, and the guy running it is an idiot or whatever he says. And then, so there's this like laughter theme, and then... The monologue read by the amazing Chuck Cooper and how he talks about the lynching that he experienced in real life, the Mm -hmm. actor in the play within a play, and how he starts breaking down when he hears the laughter, the laughter of the people Mm -hmm. lynching the person in the... There's something haunting to me about how laughter was so prevalent in this whole piece mocking laughter real laughter fake laughter and then at the and end forced laughter. and forced laughter and then at the end it's what is this machine by the stage oh mm-hmm. it's the laugh track and that was new in the 50s right to have this machine putting right. laugh track and you know television in the 50s had laughter studio audiences but what laughter meant to me in that i was like oh what a theme and it wasn't beating you over the head with it but it was so evident throughout that there was laughter was this theme and, and a sad theme at that. But also like why, why do as a director, mm. why do we add a laugh track into anything? Uh, anything? Um, I think because Plays, lo- uh, even late shows, if you go and sit in the yeah, audience at a late more, show, yeah. it tells you when to applaud and yeah. when to laugh because they're, <laughs> I think they try to avoid awkward situations and Awkward. clearly, awkwardness is in or this play situation. or nervous energy. They want to make the person feel good. So the Bill, the the uh, Bill O'Reilly character, he they almost need the play within a play needs to have laugh track in it so that he feels good about what he's saying. He's saying these horrible things. Well, is that for him or is that for the audience? It's, because the audience is probably watching it and they feel really like awkward. Awkward. So they need we're to make dictator yeah, yeah. type character yeah. speak and they don't know how to feel yeah so, so la- the director's like now creating that the feeling. words that come to mind yeah are awkward forced unnatural mm-hmm. and even the starting and the stopping of it they could there was something so clear about the guy couldn't get the starting and the stopping of it right mm-hmm. and how the director was getting so mad at that so the whole thing was so forced and so yeah it's sad and the end we learn in the beginning they have to let the forced laughter at the director to make him feel good. There's this forced sense of laughter throughout, which is so sad. But to make him feel good because he's being bad? Yeah, when he's being – they call or him out. They say, you're prejudiced. You, should, you know, LaShonza's character says that. I think the biggest thing in here, too, is like we're talking about power. And even in the theater world, we're talking about power and who owns the power the whole time. Right. And when you have a top-down situation here, you have director into producer into director into stagehand into lead characters into um, supporting characters into ensemble into stagehand. It's like Mm. we go down this line of characters. There's also – right. And for this, it's like who owns the power here? But where is the collaboration? And I think that's the word that we keep forgetting in theater. And I think that's a lot about what this show is about, is collaboration. Because you have a writer writing a show that knows nothing about black culture or black people and what they're doing. Or maybe 
who knows nothing about other women, because you now have a woman in this piece as well, a white woman who that writer might not know anything about. And you're creating this story, but it's only meant to be interpreted by who? The director? Well, it's interesting because the director in the play seemed to respect the two white actors in the play the most. There was a hierarchy here. I found that he respected the Bill O'Reilly character and the Judy Sears character. And not even her as much because he was so mean to her with that she didn't remember her stage direction. Right, because now you're going down a line here as well. Because Bill O'Reilly could do nothing wrong. Right. And he was the worst actor of right, stage right. in the, and he was in late. the show. Did you notice he couldn't come to the first few rehearsals? He only came in the second right. act. He was late. He didn't want to do anything with the But company. then LaShawns came in two minutes late to rehearsal. Two minutes from lunch. Mm-hmm. And like, you're late. You know, there's a whole but you have him problem there. Who was late. He yeah. needed the most help. And then But the director wouldn't give him any help. Right. But, or wouldn't tell him what to do. He would just applaud. And he then could have a conversation after with the director about his character. Yeah, and Am she I doing could, it right? Yeah, Am I doing this? And then you go the down. Now you go down to Millie, right? Is it Millie? Mm-hmm. And she, or no, 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 Judy. Oh, Judy. Yes, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And she is starting to feel a little bit different. She can have a conversation with the director yeah. still and be taught. Well, they have to go learn. upstairs and have a conversation. Right, which, which is, is also odd. odd yeah. But but she was still directed by him. She wanted to play the character one way because she thought she was friendly with the other people mm-hmm. in the in the cast. But he was still telling her, no, you have to be the little Southern girl daughter. Right, right. And then last, it's like you have the other four characters and you have some of them wanting to do what they want. Yeah. And then you have the others that just want to be do it, just do what they told because they want the job. And on top of it, the director then is, is horribly mean to Eddie, the stagehand. He's, Oh, you're an idiot. You're dumb. You're, and he was so mean to, um, Henry, yeah. the sta- older man. Sta- he got the jelly donuts wrong. Oh, you're an idiot. I know who wants this. He, he was just a horrible guy, period. Yeah. But to every, almost everyone, he was so horrible, and especially to the main most of the actors. It was just it, it just showed that hierarchy. Right. Um, it showed a lot of that. I think the ending was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it was interesting to see what happens. We'll call you, and Lashonza's character says, "I don't know if I'm getting the call, but I'm going to show up here, yeah. and he'll have to fire me to my face." Well, you know, that was an interesting moment when she said, "I'm not just going to wait for a no phone call." One of the best things that I found with her character was like she she still respected him. She just wanted to work with him about the character. She had questions about the character because it didn't make sense. And the writing. Why would the mother be – that was a whole thing. Why would a mother be doing this? And Mm -hmm. he didn't want to hear it. He almost was like – like wouldn't that have been an opportunity for a director to say let's call the playwright? Or let's, or maybe the playwright's not like. Let's talk to another producer about. It. Let's have a table conversation about it instead of just ignoring her. It's hard, right? And I don't understand why so many people in this industry have this. No, it's my way or no mm. way. It's my opinion or no opinion. Yeah, and it's not more collaborative. Like, how do you feel? In this, and she starts talking about how she feels, but he's like, "No, that's not how yeah. you feel. I'm going to tell you how you feel. right, and just listen to and me. I'm gonna, throw and your... I'm going to throw words at you, and now yeah, I'm going to tell horrible. you how to feel." Yeah, and she had to then sing it that way, and he was like, "Good." And she was like, "That didn't feel 
good to sing it that way in the way you forced me to do it. It was just horrible. She's like, I did it the way that you wanted it the first time. Yeah, right. And she has one line in there. She's like, you've been asking me what I think Mm. when they're having a dialogue between each other. And that was the biggest key is like she was at she was asked by him. What does she think? And when she told him what she thinks, he didn't want to hear it. Yeah. And I thought that was such a powerful line in the show. Yeah. I also. Because that's collaborative theater. When we can start having conversations with our actors and our writers and our producers and our whole team and everyone's more part of a team, you're going to have a more. Right. When everyone has an equal place at the table. And there's no chain of command when it comes to some of these decisions. right? Right. Because up here we're seeing, oh, you guys now have work. You four characters now have work. But. They're still playing people in the South, and they're being told to act black. And stereotypes. And stereotypes. And then the director keeps trying to justify, oh, the word justify. And she kept saying, oh, you want me to justify this, or I'm going to justify that? You know, that was a word that she kept using quite a bit, and she felt like she had to justify things to the director. And that's, and that's like, the biggest thing is, like, that's not how they act. Yeah. And that they were trying to tell him, this is not how we act. I, 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 <laughs> I thought... It was also really nice to start the play and end the play with Willetta, LaShawn's character, with Henry, the stage, you know, Simon Simon Jones plays Henry. Interesting fact, the only person in this whole play who does not have a last name is Henry. It's just Henry. Mm -hmm. Every single person in this whole entire play has a last name. And Henry is just Henry. And what is, oh, that old stage, you know, they kind of make fun of it. Oh, he's been around for, how old am I? How old am I? It's almost like he wasn't, important enough in everyone's eyes to even know what his last name was. The guy that gets the donuts, the guy that turns the lights on in the facility, and the hierarchy of respect there. And Moletta had such respect for him. At one point, she tells Chuck Cooper's character, um, uh, Sheldon, she says, leave me alone, go, when they were going on break or something, she says, leave me alone. But then Henry comes in. She doesn't tell Henry to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. So it's the play starts and ends. And then because with him... Could, because she could have a conversation with yeah. him. Yeah. And that and was he, very telling and to he me. He was listening, to and he her. was listening, and he—I think he was trying to say, "Oh, you know, I come from an immigrant family, an Irish immigrant." He was trying to maybe say, "Oh, I, I a diff, very different struggle, yes. but so, uh, I come from a, you know." And they kind of tried to compare stories, and they just talked. Right. They just had conversation. But was that and conversation it, about standing up for yourself and fighting for what you believe in yeah, and yeah. what you want? And I think that I love that the play started and ended with the two of them like that. Also, speaking of the ending, we had the psalm read at the end. And what I think was really interesting about that was he she's testing um, the laugh track with him at the very end with Henry Willetta. And he says, what about a psalm? And she, she memorized, she had a Bible verse memorized. It was Psalm 133. I'm just going to read that psalm here again because I remember leaving the play being like, oh my gosh, that psalm. Why did she read that psalm? What was important about it? And the psalm goes... Psalm 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So I think that beginning when she's saying how how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's the Mm -hmm. psalm she decided. And then the laugh track played. And then the lights changed. And there she was. Lights came in. It was like the justification of, not justification, or the the 
there was the appropriate, I should say, the appropriate time for laughter Mm -hmm. was at the very, very end when she said something that she said, we need to come together in unity. And she's alone and the rehearsal's over and there's Henry and there's the laugh track and she's in her moment, in her light. And she found some truth of herself mm. there. I just, I just thought it was were very, very well done. I could see how this was so successful off Broadway in the fifties. People For were sure. seeing this and loving it. And I guess like, but the, the hard part is like, it was mm-hmm. successful, but it couldn't go to Broadway because it was not going to entertain the white audience. Mm. I will remind our listeners here that in the same year that they tried to bring that to Broadway, I want to say it's 1957. Well, it was 55 off Broadway, and they were trying to bring it, I believe, in 56 or 57. That year was the year that West Side Story and The Music Man were both up for the Tony Award for Best New Musical. And The Music Man wins the Tony Award that year over West Side Story. Mm -hmm. This is a very interesting time for Broadway. You have... West Side Story coming in and you have this play wanting to come in and it's like these producers of the time are still feeling like, no, we're not ready. No, this is not worthy for Tony. No, you must go back and change things before this. This is a very sad time in a way for what's going on through Broadway in the mid fifties here. Right? So yeah, it's crazy to me that she, and, and, and good for her to say, no, I'm not changing anything about this and no. And for them to say, no, it's not going to come to Broadway. I, I know it had another revival off Broadway. I want to say in the '90s, um, off Broadway, but it never made it to Broadway till now. And good for you, Roundabout, for bringing this important, important piece to a Broadway stage. It's so great, you know? but at the same time, I'm, it's like it still took this long to get it to yeah, Broadway, yeah. and to me, that's sad. Yeah, it's sad because it takes what's happening in Broadway right now for someone to even consider putting this on Broadway. And I still, to me, it's like being in the theater last night, we can just say this, that it wasn't full. And I think people still are either turning a blind eye to what's really happening in the, the Broadway world, or they just don't want to see it. They don't want to believe it. Mm. And, and and for those of you listening, it does play a few more weeks, and there's People tickets available. And, because yeah, this is something so that's super serious, and it really makes you think, and for you to think outside of your little minds about what is really happening in the industry, and how can we actually mm. work together in unity to change mm. it. I also want to say one more thing. There's something we're, I know we're jumping around a lot with a lot of themes. There's so <laughs> many things to talk about here. I think obviously racism is the most important thing talked about here. Mm -hmm. And I think another interesting theme, I'm all about themes all the time. And I think another interesting thing is generations. Mm -hmm. You had probably three generations represented in this show. You had the elders. So you had Chuck Cooper's character, Sheldon. You had Henry's Simon Jones character, Henry, the elders of the people who've been around a long time doing this. Then you had like the middle-aged people like LaShawn's, um, Millie, played by Jessica Francis Dukes, a wonderful performance, by the way. She was so good as Millie. Mm-hmm. These middle-aged people who've been around a while, the director, I guess we would consider middle-aged. And then you had, like, Judy. Danielle Campbell plays Judy. And you also have um, um, Brandon Michael Hall playing John. Mm-hmm. The young people in the show. The young, new. And, and it was so interesting how these three generations had such very different things to bring to the table. And 
didn't you wish there was a table for them to actually sit around? There were tables and no one sat around them, literally and figuratively. Well, there no were one's... tables, there were chairs, <laughs> there were little tables, but yeah. it wasn't like one big round table, but there were chairs and, 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 and people were scattered throughout the space. And, and it was so interesting. I thought one of the most OMG moments of the show is when the director says, well, none of us in this room have ever seen a lynching, thank God. And anyway, blah, blah, blah. And, Chuck Cooper, no, I have. Mm-hmm. And everyone looked at him and was like, what? I have. I was a child. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that story right now. And I was like, oh, that was a moment for me. Because what you assume about elders, what you assume, you know, they poked fun at Judy's character like, oh, you're going to, if, I, if this show closes, I have to go back to my home in Connecticut. And they all make fun of her. You know, everyone, and just comes from different places. You never know when you're in a room who you're working with, whether it's age, race, gender. I mean, in all those age, race, and gender, mostly race, obviously, is talked about here. But we can't forget that this was a play written by a woman mm-hmm. and how women were treated or mistreated in the industry as well, especially a black woman. Yeah. And so it's just amazing to see all the different hierarchies here and the mistreatment of so many people and what people bring to the table. And it's also about awareness. Awareness. Because I think people, they only look at themselves and they don't look at where they sit on a line. They're not aware of sometimes where they sit. So where you have the director sitting on a line that's way above everyone, but still tries to compare himself to how hard he had to work to get there. Yeah, when Lashawn's character tried to compare her her kids, if she had kids, it's more of the character having kids, you know, saying, "What would you do if that was your son?" Immediately, the director said, "Don't compare my son to his son to your son because they're not the same." But he had no problem comparing himself to how hard he had to struggle to get to his position, and compared them to the rest of them. He was a horrible character. Yeah. The director was like horrible. But that's, in so but many that's what I'm talking about in awareness in this industry as well is everyone just thinks how hard they had to work to get to something, but not what everyone else also had to do to get to where they already are. Yeah. And some people start a little bit farther back and some people start way ahead. But if you could be a little bit more aware of your surroundings and what everyone goes through and how everyone wants to work as a team to get things done, I I think it's going to be better. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just don't understand why we can't have better conversations as directors and actors. Yeah. Like, what is the behind the scenes team doing with the actors? Well, that's why I think actors are a little bit more important than people give them credit for because they're part of the show. They're performing and they don't just want to do a job where they read lines and they need to get into their character as well. And sometimes we see amazing performances on Broadway because I think they're probably working with teams that understand that. And then the other productions probably are more like, hey, no, you're going to do this and you're going to do what I say. Mm. And that's not creative. Yeah. And that's not talent. And that's why I feel like it would have been great to be in the room with Charles Randolph Wright, who directed this, and mm-hmm. sitting in the room and sitting around those tables and having it. And LaShawn's, who comes from many, many years of working in this industry. It is a chilling play, an eye-opening play. Yeah. And it's 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 moving. It's sad. There's a sadness there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the this crying, the laughing, crying clown. That's sad. He's supposed to be funny, but he's sad. There's like, Mm -hmm. this play is showing truth. 
And it really is showing truth sad. because you watch these two young characters coming in for their first show. Bright yeah. eyed and bushy tail. And how they change. And how they change from the beginning Shh. to the end because you have all of these actors telling them, oh, you look so happy, right? You shouldn't have learned your lines. You shouldn't have studied the score. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. Because they're like, it's not worth it. They're literally telling him it's not worth it because guess what? The director is going to come in here and they're going to tell you what you're going to do. Right. But it was so interesting it. with the Judy character at the top of act two. She comes in. She throws her coat and she's three glasses of wine drunk. And she does the whole act two. If anybody showed up to a place like that, they'd be asked to leave. You went on lunch break and had, and had alcohol. She showed up to the workplace drunk, and no one says anything about it, but LaShonda's character is two minutes late because she ran out to grab a bowl of soup, and the director says something about it. I mean, you, every line and movement and action in that piece is just so telling of how well, very racist this well, industry the prejudices can be. That are created within the industry. Yeah, yeah. So... Oh, oh, there it is. Oh, it's wow. time. Oh, that flew by. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're talking and talking about this. <laughs> and this is just an amazing play. Yes, one minute recap. Thoughts? Uh, recap. Da, 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 da. Go see this show. This show is going to make you think, make you feel, and hopefully make you a little bit more aware of how, if you work in this industry or in any industry, how you should be more aware of what's going on. I think the world is going to work better when we have a little bit more unity in our career paths with people and stop trying to always get to the top because the top doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. We can get to the top together. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a, uh, my recap would be that this is a really important piece of theater to be seeing right now. I think all types of theater are important, comedy, drama, and everything in between. This really highlighted a problem. Yeah. And when she saw, Alice Childress saw no, nothing like this, she wrote this and stuck and, and digged her heels into the ground a little stronger and said, this play will not change. And now here we are 66 years later seeing this. The play is good. The, what, what they're doing, the actors in the play within a play, and, and, and what they're trying to say, every, the themes, the messages, the racism, the sexism, the ageism, all and mainly, of course, most importantly, the racism here mm-hmm. and how that is just we need to change mm-hmm. as an industry and as a society. And if this opens people's eyes and gets people thinking, talking and doing better, then this this play will have done mm-hmm. what it needed to do. And 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 kudos to these amazing performers and creative team for bringing and Roundabout yes. Theatre Company for bringing this amazing. to the to the front. So there we go. <laughs> thank you all for listening we, we really do thank you all and we hope you enjoyed this podcast today please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Music leave us a review if you love what you heard today and we want you to join in on our conversation engage with us so head over to our Instagram at half hour podcast comment on the latest post we'd love to hear from you this play is running till I believe it's January 9th so you still have about a little over a month to go check it out if you're in New York a really really important piece of theater so thank you all so much for listening today we hope you enjoyed Got some a few more things coming up around this holiday season, some new plays and movie musicals coming your way. So signing off for now. Until next time, I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Ta-ta. Bye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 